in a very bizarre way. I was lucky to experience the racism because to me, it made me a whole person. It allowed me to understand the turmoil and the angst that other people go through, whether it be as a result of war crimes or other biases that they experience. It allowed me to have confidence in myself that I could solve this. your host, Anna Malikian. And before we start with today's show, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. This episode was an interview originally recorded as a LinkedIn Live where I had a thought-provoking conversation with C.B. Bowman, the founder of ACEC, Association of Corporate Executive Coaches, the CEO of Workplace Equity and Equality, WE, and recently selected to be in the Thinkers 50 2021 Coaching and Mentoring Award shortlist. Here we go. Expanding possibilities, the mindset zone. So I believe this might be much to do about nothing or it could be a lot to do about something. The word mindset itself. I firmly believe that my translation for mindset is my own internal radar. That radar tells me how I'm going to view things, how am I going to view myself, and how am I going to manage my behavior? Is it based upon how I was raised? Um, look at the military hat. My dad was in the military, a lieutenant colonel. My mom was the boss. Get that, right? Women's power way back. Very strict upbringing, middle-class Black American, and yet surprised by many of the things that happened to me as a Black American going into the business world. My mindset could have taken me down a negative river. My radar told me, how to survive, how to conquer, how to accomplish what I've accomplished in life. So I believe that you, your mindset really directs you, just like a compass, right? It swings back and forth. Does that help, Anna? Yeah, because the mindset, if we see, and there are many ways of defining it, but if we see this mindset as the beliefs that we have, and often these beliefs are in a subconscious level, it's the way that we erase uh, the people that we, we surround ourselves with and that condition us the way that we see the world and give us the values, that compass. But it's important also uh, that I think is what you say with the rad radar, that uh, we don't have to be stuck in our mindset and we can evolve our mindset. And that is one of the things that I love about work of Carol Dweck that introduced the concept of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. 
that really make us think of the mindset in a much more flexible way that I think is so helpful. Uh, but to bring the conversations to concrete things, so you, you start to speak a little bit about your history of origin, your family. You were raised in New York, correct? I was actually raised, yes. Uh, my first beginnings were in New York, in the Lower East Side, which was basically, it was, all the, at that time, all Jewish. Hmm, interesting. And so I was able to really get um, be immersed in the Jewish culture and understand my Jewish colleagues as I've grown up, right? In a way that I'll tell you a fun story. My first boyfriend was Jewish and he was also a photographer. So he took some pictures of me and he showed them to his mom. And I had spoken to his mom on the phone and he said, and she said, that's not her. The person I spoke to is Jewish. And he said, no, that's her. She said, but how's that possible? She knows all of our phrases, our terms. And he said, that's CB. So, and then the next neighborhood I was raised in was all Italian. So I started to get my international flavoring from the neighborhoods that I was raised in. And, and then now you are married with an Italian. <laughs> are frequent between the black culture and the Italian culture. Oh, we have a lively household. Yep. I love that. But so we, this, so, and that is the magic I think of New York is this diversity, this melting pot with so much diversity and opportunity of people to meet so many different people. And how, tell me about how that helped you when you got your first corporate job. Well, that's an interesting story in itself because sadly, my first corporate job, I was faced with extreme racism and I wasn't prepared for it. And so I really didn't know how to handle it. It caused a, a lot of psychological turmoil in my mind, in my head. My mindset was one of, I will figure this out. I had the confidence to figure it out. I was able to find the right people within the company and outside the company to support me and to guide me along with my upbringing. And so I think I was lucky in a very bizarre way. I was lucky to experience the racism because to me, it made me a whole person. It allowed me to understand the turmoil and the angst that other people go through, whether it be as a result of war crimes or other biases that they experience. It allowed me to have confidence in myself that I could solve this and try to figure out ways around it. it. Allowed me to understand that I needed to seek out other people and explore words of wisdom that they offered me. So you, you really you but you had enough self-esteem and strength to believe that you could do you could uh, overcome the challenge uh, and. I had enough courage to fight back and to figure out ways that I could find people around me that respected and loved me enough to support me in learning how to fight back in various methods. And for, for this particular situation, the method was learning corporate speak, 
learning corporate behavior, learning how to challenge back corporately. And what was the mind? Uh, so what was the way? So uh, trusting in yourself, in your courage, surrounding yourself, bringing other people to help you. And that is saying a lot because sometimes uh, we don't go, we don't look for these uh, alliances, but you look for this alliance. Can you tell us a specific story that illustrates this? Oh, I can tell you many stories. Uh, I remember that I had a manager who asked me to go, well, mandated that I go and pick her up lunch. And it wasn't in a form of let's have lunch. Do you want to pick it up or I could pick it up? That sort of, you know, uh, inclusion way. It was, you go and get me lunch. And when I refused to, she sat and drew pictures of little pygmies with bones in their head and distributed them in the department that were representations she felt of me. Whoa. Yeah. This was other times. But Anna, I don't know what other people's experiences is and how it translates into life is the killing of Floyd. So it's not really other times, right? This perhaps was more subtle because I'm still walking this earth and able to talk about it. Sadly, Floyd isn't. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, you totally raise the, you, you raise, I, I think now corporations and people in corporations will not do that, unfortunately, because they are afraid of the consequences of it, not because they change their own mindset about the right thing to do in many cases. Uh, I have to challenge that. I think this is absolutely being done in corporations now. I think that what's happened is corporations have become smarter about how they do it. And so it may not look like the killing of Floyd as we see in public. We may not see pygmies being drawn as in my case, but isn't it the same thing when you don't allow people to flourish in an organization, when you don't allow inclusion in organizations, when you're not offered the opportunity for promotions, you're not trained the same as somebody else. This is really all the same thing. It's just shades of difference. Yeah, it's, the, it's more subtle that we can argue, oh, it's, people are still alive, people are all that, but because it's subtle, it's more difficult to see and more difficult to fight against. Yeah, I mean, the old expression is for uh, people of color, is it better to live in the South or better to live in the North? Well, you know, in the South, you, you know, racism is spoken about, unlike pre-Floyd, um, it's experience. You know your boundaries, which are sad, but they are boundaries and they are known. In the North, it's covert. So which is better, knowing or hidden? And, and you know, we talk about, let's talk about mindset. Having the mindset to lead you through whatever adversity you face is the true goal of mindset, in my opinion. Now, Anna, you come from the beautiful Portugal. And for everybody, that's Anna's accent, which, you, which 
love. She adds S's to things and things like that. But I'm sure when she came here to the United States, and you could speak to this, there were challenges that you faced, but you had the mindset and the intelligence and the smarts to not only survive, but to flourish. I will go one step back first here, because when you ask, um, and we always challenging each other because that is part of our friendship culture and this way that we learn new things and we think things in a different perspective. So I'm going to challenge you respectfully. I think is I find it more helpful instead of asking what is better, this, uh, like you were saying in a specific case, the South or the North in terms of the explicit or implicit in relation to topics so serious as racism. Uh, I, I think for me, I find more helpful to ask what is different and what can we do about it? Yes. Uh, and even for me, what was different from coming from Portugal here, my image of the United States, and I already had come and visit the United States several times before I moved back in 2003 when I moved here to the U.S., I had a very biased view of the United States in a good way. In a good way, a lot of the positive things, things that we admire about the United States, to the point that, uh, for instance, in the Olympic Games that just finished uh, recently uh, in in 2021, that we are recording this, but back in the time when I was living in Portugal, there were Olympic Games. Of course, the first athletes that I was sharing was the Portuguese. And then if there was not Portuguese playing, well, maybe the Brazilians, because they also spoke Portuguese. But after that, were the Americans, because of the representation of freedom. That the, and I know that different countries can have a different way of seeing the United States. But in Portugal, when I was raised, was like the... Uh, really the example of democracy, the example of the country of opportunities. That was the image that I came in. And also the other side of my mindset around the United States, my bias on the way and belief sets about the United States was through the TV series uh, and to the movies. And most of them are in the coasts, uh, (laughs) East and West Coast. So my first shock was when I moved to the United States and I want to start to learn more about the United States was the diversity, good and bad, of, the, of everything in between. And what I realized that you here in the US, we speak the same, we have a common language, the English with different accents, of course, but there's a common language that is in many ways like in Europe, each state has its own different culture and ways of seeing things. But in Europe, we, uh, because we have, uh, things are different countries with different language, we know that, of course. Here was, oh, ah, was a surprise that. Uh, And the things that I was interesting in a positive way, way, and other things that, oh my gosh, that seems, I will never thought that that will happen in the United States. Um, So it's fascinating. But help us to, I think, I always like to see as, I think diversity is really a strength. And uh, we have to, even things that we don't agree with, we have to be humble to try to understand it. Even at the end, we don't agree with it. (laughs) 
still that there is a learning process that is important for us to try to understand. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I don't think that that is contrary to what I've said. I think it's additional information. Um, when when um, you become aware of the North versus the South, understanding why in some cases it's covert, in some cases it's not, I think it's important to understand that and to acknowledge the difference, right? It's not it's not panacea. Everything is not always the same. And, to, and, and in order to help solve, you have to recognize. There is, I remember being in a conversation with a coach whose family members are part of the Proud Boys. And she was informing us about the mindset of the Proud Boys. And, you know, ironically, I thought it was very interesting. Um, I wasn't looking at it as a race situation. I was looking at it as learning more about how other people view things, which I think is your point. I think that the fact that I've traveled so much allows me to have a greater viewpoint. I remember growing up, I thought, I can't wait to leave the United States, right? So I was an army brat, but my mom believed the children should have one place called home and not travel. But I was always jealous of my father traveling. So I couldn't wait to travel. Now I will talk to you, I'll give you a really great example of mindset that went haywire. I decided that I was going to find my father who was stationed in Panama at the time and visit him just out of the door. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what I did. And my boyfriend at the time arrived for a date and he said, where are we going? And I said, you're going to take me to the airport. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm going to go to Panama. And he said, what? Do you have a ticket? Do you have money? Do you, who who are you going to see? I said, A, I don't have a ticket. B, I don't have money. And C, I'm going to go visit my father. (laughs) And he said to me, Okay, I know you well enough that when your mind is made up, you're going to do it. But how are you going to do this without money? And you don't even know where your father is. And I said, I know he's in the army. Come on now. What a silly question. And I have a credit card. See? And he said, but but how will you get there? And I said, you can drive me to the airport. He said, but you need cash. Don't you have any? And I said, well, I have $20. <laughs> and he said, Oh my God. So he opened his wallet and gave me all the money he had. So I went to the airport. He drove me. I got a ticket to Panama. This was obviously pre 9-11, right? Without revealing my age. (laughs) And I got on the plane and I met this lovely woman. And she said, so are you Panamanian? And I said, no. Oh, you're going on holiday? I said, yes. She said, well, where are you staying? I said, I don't know. She said, who are you seeing? I said, my dad. And she said, oh, he's expecting you. I said, no. And she said, wait a second. You don't have a place to stay. Your dad doesn't know you're coming. Um, what are your plans? And I said, I don't know. Oh, my plans are to see Panama and my dad. And she said to me, well, okay. So let me at least guide you to a hotel 
And she did, and it was magnificent. And here's my phone number. In case you get into a jam. And I said, not to worry, I won't, but thank you. So I go in the hotel, I check in, I pick up the phone, I call the army, and I said, I'm gonna talk to my dad. And they said, who is your dad? And I said, James Bowman, and he's stationed here in Panama. Well, is he expecting you? I said, no. And they said, well, do you know what branch he's in? I said, no, but please find him. And they said, "Uh, miss, where are you staying? And I told them, they said, well, that's good. That's a safe place. That's where the military families stay. And I said, all right, well, can you find him now? And they said, all right, hold on. About 20 minutes later, my dad gets on the phone. <laughs> and he said, where are you? And I said, in Panama. He said, what the hell? And I told him the hotel. He said, stay there. 15 minutes later, he's knocking on my door and he said, are you crazy? He said, does your mom know you're here? And I said, um, no. And he said, okay, let's call your mother. So he calls my mother and he goes, okay, do you know where our daughter is? And she said, well, she's in New York. That's where she lives now. And he said, no, she's in Panama. Here, talk to your mom. And so my mom gets on the phone and she goes, what does your dad mean you're in Panama? And I said, yeah, mom, that's where I am. But talk about mindset. I bought with me a winter wardrobe because in my mind, it was winter all over. And in New York, there was a snowstorm. And my dad and my mom went bananas. And my dad said to me after he hung up, he said, don't you ever go anyplace. I said, excuse me, I'm an adult. He said, well, an adult doesn't do this. And he said, and did you bring clothes? And I said, yeah. And I opened up my suit because he goes, this is all winter clothes. It's 90 degrees here. So he had to take me shopping for a new wardrobe. But this is an example of a mindset that I knew I was going to find my father. I knew that it wasn't going to be a problem. And I had the mindset and courage that it was all going to be okay. I love the story. And how much trust you had, I will be able to solve this. <laughs> uh, because I think that uh, the, uh, you were confident that you, you are going to be able to solve it. And I think that is a great attitude, a great belief, and the mindset that must have served you well in many different circumstances in your life. Yes. Uh, and, and even, yes, the thing about traveling, the thing about diversity is that capacity of learning that we, and being put in different situations. After that, you knew that different countries, depending on where they are in the world, will have different climates. Uh, could you have learned that in a different way? Probably, yes. But you learn it that way. Was your, your own learning journey? And uh, I, when you were starting with your story, I immediately thought... When I myself raised, born and raised in Portugal, went in college years to England as an exchange student. And then uh, that was a learning in itself. But the interesting thing was when I came back to Portugal to visit my family in the holidays, we were having a family dinner. And suddenly I noticed for the first time, I was 21 at the time, oh my gosh, we are loud. 
<laughs> I never had realized that. It's like Mediterranean family, we speak, we are around the table, like imagine a good Italian family. But I had to live six months in another country, the different culture, for when I came back to my own culture of origin, I suddenly was aware in I could, we are loud. An interesting thing, many years later, I, I'm in holidays again in Portugal with my family, now with my daughter, my daughter at the time, maybe like four years old, again around the, uh, the dinner table. She, unfortunately, she doesn't speak Portuguese. I let that ball drop. But she turns to me, why is everybody mad with each other? Everybody's mad here. We are just having a, a passionate <laughs> conversation about anything. We don't need to be a, can be about carrots. Uh, and if carrots is the best color to descri describe a carrot, will be orange or something else. We don't care. We like to speak emotionally about things. But it's, it's so fascinating that we have to go to different places, come back to be able to listen and to be aware of things that we are not aware before. And when even you were speaking about, you're telling about that one of your colleagues was speaking that the family member was in the Proud Boys and other things like that. The challenge so often is if, when we start to put ourselves in boxes, is the thing of being the other. We know this by social, sociology, by history, that that is when we start to put so many distance between groups of people that uh, we don't believe that is possible to communicate. That is the recipe to disaster, in my opinion. I totally agree. I remember my trip to China and Japan. I observed, you know, it, it, they have what, I don't know the correct name, but there's something that I described as pushers in the, on, on the subway. And they literally push people. Their job is to push people to pack them into the transportation so that they can get from place A to B. And I thought to myself, wow, that's an interesting cultural dynamic. And it explains a piece of culture that I might see here in the United States, right? It was interesting to see, actually see, now you may have read about it, but to see women walking behind men, I was like, what in the world is this? Yeah. But you understand then when those cultures came here to the United States, the deference that is in existence because of their culture, right? So you really get a chance to learn so much. Now it's not possible to travel as much as it was before, but we have the advantage of computers, Zoom, to learn about cultures. I love watching Gordon Ramsay when he's exploring yes. different cultures. I think it's on National Geographic to learn cooking and how people find food. And I'm like, wow. So that's where it's found. So we have the opportunity to open our mindset, to reset it so that it's more inclusive, it's more knowledgeable, it's more accepting, so that it moves us further up the ladder in what we want to do to succeed. Absolutely. I just want to 
reflect back a couple of you say the importance of communication the importance of learning the importance of uh, even the traveling and the uh, seeing different things and that brings me to other two topics that i think are so important nowadays in corporations both as somebody working in a corporation or as the executive coaches leadership coaches that help organizations that is representation and working in a virtual world and working at this distance working from home because i think one of the arguments in my opinion for representation is is that if you don't have representation of different groups and variety and diversity on the decision table there are things there that you are not going to be aware of and you have to have those voices that have a more because of their upbringing because of their the, the uh, their own personal stories they will have an input that from more open and aware and travel that you were you cannot have the same so we really have to keep that in my opinion the effort in terms of representation to amplify the pool of opinions and perspectives to help us see the complexity of things and now that is even more important in my opinion with the working from home and the virtual that yes help us to survive 2020 in incredible ways and at the same time we don't have the water cooler experience of the office anymore we uh, uh, and how can we because even going back a little bit to your saying your father was in the military like it or not like it when the military was not an option was everybody boy at certain age had to go to the military was a big melting pot culturally people were together that they in other circumstances were not together uh now because it's a voluntary thing here in the United States there is already um not is not as diverse as it was before the workplace can be more diverse but if we don't have to go to the office we don't have the challenge to overcome and to understand so well the other is easier to stay share so i would love to listen to your thoughts about that so there is a couple of uh things that you surface and i should have written them down but i didn't um one let's yeah here it is first the first step within the office is diversity the second step which is equally powerful is inclusion and they're very different diversity you're invited to the party inclusion you're invited to dance at the party i like that thank you and so i think that comparing the separation of people who were in the war to the separation of people as a result of the pandemic is different yes. in this way we have the opportunity actually to learn more about each other as a result of the pandemic and the new normal of communicating i think that in the beginning we all said oh wow we're going to be separated and we won't have the water cooler experience 
But I think we have to give that up because it's actually proven that we have more unity and we have the opportunity for more union and inclusion than we did around standing around the water cooler. Here's why. In an organization, different social groups are formed. And so you have different norms. Uh, you have like little nuclei of groups. And while one group is at the water cooler, the other group may be not invited to the water cooler conversation. Or an individual may not feel comfortable walking into that dialogue. On Zoom, where everybody is there for a meeting, you have more of an opportunity to see inside the being of each person. And what do I mean by that? If you don't have a virtual screen, see the home. that's the big if, you get to see what's in back of the person. So for me, you could see what books I read if you blow up the screen. You could see my dad was in the military. Um, if I tilt my screen up, you might see uh, a doll. You'll see a doll that my mom had, so I inherited it before she passed away. You'll see stores that I shop at. You'll see organization for uh, clips and things like that. You could tell I'm a very organized person, maybe extremely. My books are, for the most part, all standing up this way or this way. <laughs> You'll see a sign over here. You'll see how I'm dressed. You'll see my hair. In other words, you get to start to experience more about the person than you would in an office setting. You may see some religious artifacts. You might see or hear the my four-legged creature. <laughs> London. Sir London Slate Bowman, who is a Karen Terrier, which means he owns the space, right? <clears throat> you might see my husband floating in and out, right? You'll get to, you'll see my husband is not black. You'll see he's older. He's a silver fox. He looks like one of the Sopranos, right? <laughs> so you'll get to, uh, if I'm in the kitchen, you'll see, if I turn my camera, you'll see a whole row of cookbooks because he's a chef, right? I used to own a catering business. You'll see a tapestry that I bought when I was in Belgium. So you get to see more about me than my suit in a corporate setting. For me, that's an opportunity to discuss. It gives you freedom to discuss the person. It gives you the opportunity to have an inclusion or inclusive conversation. Oh, I see you have a book about gardening, right? And then the whole dialogue starts. It's not either or. Right. It's how can we bring and how can we learn and how we can transform. I, I love, I always love the, the, that uh, phrase, if life gives you lemons, do lemon, lemonade. And I go now to the extreme, if life gives you lemon, do lemonade. Or if you fancy, lemoncello. Uh, so is we <laughs> so we have to have this capacity of transform things and be open to things i hope you enjoyed this conversation learn more about cb at cbbowman.com thank you for listening and remember to visit 
mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world. <laughs>